my name is in French, and it's really lovely to meet you all. I'm just delighted. And before we start, I have uh, the usual things in the, in the very, very unlikely event of an emergency. There is an emergency exit behind the organ, and there is also an emergency exit over that side. So, um, but as I said, I think it's extremely unlikely that we'll need it. So, uh, my name is Vivian French, and uh, I write books. And then we start by asking some questions, really. Um, so, what do you think I was good at when I was at school? Yes. Yeah. Um, no, do you know I wasn't good at writing when I was at school. Um, I had problems with writing. I had to start. I do not have good handwriting. Does anybody else here have troubles with handwriting? Yep. Yeah, my handwriting is great. So I wasn't good at writing. Uh, anybody, any other ideas as to what I was good at? Yes? Categorically, not maths. Yes. No, I wasn't good at art. I didn't love stories, uh, but I wasn't always very good at reading out loud. Um, when I used to have to read, my, I was at school, I mean, there's ancient history when I was at school. They sometimes have history projects. And I get brought in as a historical artifact because I was at school so long ago. And uh, when I was at school, there, there was a thing called reading ground, which meant that the whole class had to read a story, a paragraph at a time. And I used to get things wrong. And I can remember really, really clearly reading a story about full load children running down the road to the pyre by the sea. What should it be? The <coughs> pier. And everybody laughed. And I don't know what, how you feel, but I didn't enjoy being laughed at, so I hated reading out loud. I'll give you a clue. The thing I was really, really good at is something that you might be really, very really good at as well. Uh, I'm going to see if I can see somebody who I think looks as if they might be good at this. <laughs> Chatting. How many people here like chatting? Brilliant. Put your hands up. Well, I was a chatter when I was at school, and I think I talked a lot because I didn't find school work easy. Um, and uh, my school reports used to say things like, if Vivian talked a little less and worked a little harder, she would do much better. And my parents sent me to one, two, three, four, five different schools in the hope that maybe I'd settle down and suddenly we would be good at maths and so on and so forth. But it didn't really happen. And also, as I say, schools were very, very different then. And although I loved stories, I loved listening to stories, and I loved reading stories to myself, um, I've lost my track. So I loved reading stories from to myself. But when I wrote stories in school, I had something that happened when I was, I think I was, uh, I'd just gone over to the, to my school at 11. Yeah, it was a big school. And the first thing we had to do was write a story. And I wrote a story, I can't remember, I think it was about a 
stood behind me and looked over my shoulder and I thought, maybe, just maybe, she's realised that I love stories. But what she actually did was put, hold, take my paper and hold it up to the whole class and say, if anybody else hands in a piece of work as badly spelt and as messy as this, they will be in serious trouble. And then she tore up my story and put the bits in the bin. So I thought, well, that's it. I don't do writing. I don't write stories. So when I left school, I got a really good job. If you like talking and you like stories, I became an actor. And I was the sort of actor that travels around with professional theatre companies uh, doing plays. So it was ideal because I was telling stories and uh, I was talking. And I got paid for it, not a lot, but I did get paid for it. And I travelled north, south, east, west. I think we came down here one time, but it was a long, long time ago. And uh, so I really enjoyed that. And then one day something happened. One day I was going to a school, actually in Plymouth, so not so far from here. And um, I decided to go to the school in my car because, uh, to be truthful, we hadn't washed the costumes and if you sat in the back of the van with all the dirty costumes, they were kind of witty. So I decided I'd go to the school in my car. So I drove to school and I got there and the head teacher came out and she shook me by the hand and she said, Good morning, Vivian. Delighted to see you. Please, will you start the story uh, to start the play at half nine, and I said no problem. And I looked out of the window to see if the van was rolling up with the costumes, the microphones, the, everything we needed, the scenery, the lights, everything you need for a play. It didn't come. And at 29 and a half minutes past nine, there was me and 350 children in the school hall all sitting, looking keen and eager, and lots and lots of teachers around the edge, all sitting, looking like that. And then the head teacher popped out of her office, which opened onto the hall, and she said, everybody ready? Vivian, do begin. And I thought, what do I do? I can't do a play when it's just me. So what I did was I started to tell the story. And when I first started, I was so nervous that my voice was a squeak, and I could see uh, a couple of people at the back going, and start doing that elbowing thing. You know that one does when one's really bored. And I thought, I better start again. So I told the story. And while I was telling the story, I discovered all kinds of things. I discovered that you had to say, where a story happens because I didn't have any scenery. Up until then, I'd always have wonderful, wonderful pictures behind me. So and then I had to say who was in the story. And again, there was just me. I didn't have the other actors. So I had to explain about the other characters in the story. And I had to say when the story took place. It was kind of an old folk tale, so it was set way back in time. And um, I had to say what happened, obviously, and why 
yet happened. And how it happened. So I had six things that I discovered when I was telling a story. And I also discovered something else. I discovered that I love telling stories. And uh, from then on, I did some more acting. But I also went into schools to tell stories. And I'm telling you stories just now about how I came to discover that I was uh, finally a writer. So I did lots of storytelling, and then I met a new friend, and her name is Diana Hendry. And actually, she and I went to a lot of schools around this area uh, quite a long time ago talking about books. And Diana came to hear me telling stories, and at the end she said, did you make that story up? And I said, well, mm, not really. It's based on an old folk tale, and I altered it. And she said, well, why did you write stories down? And I said, I can't. She said, why not? I said, because my handwriting is terrible, and also I can't spell. Does anybody else here have trouble with spelling? Thank you very much. Put your hands down. That is because the English language, I'm sorry, it's a beautiful language, but when it comes to spelling, it is rubbish. It doesn't make sense. And I spent my whole time at school guessing uh, and trying to make some sort of logical meaning out of spelling. It doesn't work. Well, anyway, Diana said, it doesn't matter about handwriting and spelling. Go away and write a story, and I'll have a look at it. Now, Diana is a very good friend. She's also slightly scary. Um, you know, she's quite small, and she's got very sharp brown eyes, and if she says do something, it's much easier to do it than to argue. So I went away to think of a story that I could write, and I hit absolute roadblock. Couldn't think of anything to write. How many of you, if I said I was going to give you all a piece of paper and a pencil right now, how many of you would have an idea straight away? You're lucky. Put your hands down. I couldn't think of anything. And I ran up Diana and I said, I don't know what to write about. She said, yes, you do. And she said, think of a feeling and write about that. Think of a feeling, because everybody has feelings. And that's what connects us, one person to another, is sharing feelings. Uh, like, well, for instance, somebody give me a feeling. What feelings can you have? Yes. Happy, good. Joyful. Joyful, lovely. <coughs> Sad. when I was your age or younger. 
Now, could you please put your hands up if you have got brothers or sisters? Okay, put your hands down again. Could you please put your hands back up if you ever feel that your brothers or sisters or your friends' brothers and sisters are a bit of a nuisance? Yep. Put your hands down. That is a feeling I have very, very strongly. Um, I have a younger brother who is five years younger than me, and my mum thought I'd been invented to look after him. And uh, every time I went out, I had to take him with me. And he was like chewing gum, you know? He stuck on, and I couldn't get rid of him. Um, so I decided to write a story about someone with a really annoying little brother. And I thought, well, I won't write about people, I'll write about a family of pigs. Because that means that I can be totty pig, and it means my brother is a little pig. Which made me, I mean, I was quite grown up when I wrote this story, but it still gave me great satisfaction. So I read this story, and luckily for me, I, something had been invented. I didn't have to write with a pen or a pencil. What do I use? Yes. Uh, oh, actually, typewriters were around when I was, but you're absolutely right. Let's modernise it. Computer, that's right, well done. A computer. And I printed it out, and I ran down the road to Diana, and I said, I've written a story. And she said, oh, let me see, it's only a short story. Uh, and she read it, and she did not say, hooray! She said, oh. And I said, what's the matter? And she said, have you read it out loud? And I said, no. She said, it's a good, useful thing to do. And I passed that on as another useful tip. Write about feelings when you've written something, then uh, read it out loud, because it's much, much easier to hear the mistakes if you read it out loud. Well, maybe you're better at it than I am, but if I read something inside my head, I miss things. And when I read them out loud, I can hear uh, all the dreadful things that I've done. So I read my story out loud, and uh, I took a deep breath, and I went on reading and 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 reading because I had made a classic error. What had I forgotten? Do you know what I've forgotten? Yes. Punctuation. And when you talk, comma, you don't use punctuation, do you? Question marks. I mean, you do it with your voice. And I have always taught. When I'm acting, I use pauses. And when I'm storytelling, and when I'm talking. And I thought, and nobody when I was at school had ever, ever, ever explained to me that the reason you need punctuation is so that the person reading the story can hear it inside their head in the same way that as if I was telling them the story. Also, there were two words I'd used over and over and over again. Anybody guess what those were? Yes, about that. Yes, and there's a word that goes with it. And yes. How can people hear right and then? Well, I've been writing for very nearly 30 years, and I still write and then. And, but by reading my stories out loud, I can, um, I 
can squash it and alter it. How many people get their stories first right and right first time? When you're writing a story, how many of you get your stories right first time? <laughs> There's a glare going on. How, how, many people, how, many, how many people have to edit their stories? Yeah. Well, just remember when you're going back and editing your stories, that's exactly the same as I do and just about every author on the planet. Uh, because all of you are authors just as much as I am, if not more so. Because you are already writing stories. And that makes you an author. You don't have to have a book with shiny covers or whatever. You can still be an author through writing stories. So I went away and edited this story, and I was very lucky because Diana took it, and she sent it to her publishers, the people who make the books, and it turned into a picture book. And I was very surprised, but I wasn't as surprised as my mother. I rang my mother, and I said, I'm having the book published. And she said, are you sure, dear? Because I've been so useless at writing when I was at school. But I found Diana's tip of using feelings really, really helpful. And I'm just going to show you, and maybe I'll get some ideas. What I do before I start is I make three columns. Uh, what three parts does a story have? Yes? Yeah? beginning, a middle, and an end. And I usually, in fact, what we'll do is we'll do a very basic story. You can do more complicated stories than this, but this is the way that I start mapping out stories. So somebody give me a feeling to start off with. Uh, yes? Sorry? Scared. Scared, okay. So, scared. So I might think of something, I'm writing in capital letters so that you can read it, also so I can read it, because sometimes I write things and I can't read them. So, scared. So, because we haven't got time to a more complex story, let's make this a very simple story, as if we were writing for what I would call P1s, you would call reception, yes. Um, so somebody put their hand up and give me an animal, not a horse. I had a very bad time with horses the other week. And uh, so, yes. Cow. Okay. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, we've got a cow. And our cow is really scared. Now, when you're writing stories about animals, I don't know whether you've noticed when you were younger, a lot of your picture books and story books are about animals rather than people. And that's because you can still identify with the feeling, even if the character doesn't, so it doesn't matter whether the character is a bear or a dog or a cow or whatever. Um, so we've got a scared cow. And then we have to think about the why. What is the cow scared of? Um, so that's what I would plan out next. Um, 
Anybody got any ideas? Now, think in terms of, in, the, uh, in a story like this, the cow is, as it were, representing a human being. So saying that the cow is terrified of the farmer means that you've got a human being in the story, and it's, you need to create your own story world. So what's, what's the cow scared, scared of, yes? A mouse. A mouse, I like it. So the, the cow is scared of a mouse. Okay, brilliant. So you've got the beginning, the cow is scared of the mouse, and um, why? What, what, what does the mouse do? Why, why is, well, what, 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 is the, what, what does the mouse It squeaks, so the cow doesn't like to squeak. Is that right? Oh, and the mouse, I mean, I guess if cows have a big bale of hay or straw, the mouse might be quite interested and rustle around squeaking madly. So the cow, okay, and the mouse squeaks. So this is very simple. Having thought about the beginning of a story, which bit do you think I move on to next? Which bit do I think I'm going to move on to after? Yes? No, I don't. Now this is my, I think this really, really helps with stories. Um, I work, plan the beginning, and then I think, what do I want to happen at the end of the story? So how do I want the cows to feel at the end of the story? Generally speaking, thinking you're writing this story for little ones, um, how do you want, how do you want the, uh, uh, yes? Yes, it has to be a happy ending. I mean, it could end up as a beef burger, but that's really kind of probably upset uh, the little ones. So at the end, we've got a happy ending. So what have you got to deal with in the course of the story to make it a happy ending? What, um, what do you think? Yes? Yeah, okay, the cow and the mouse need to be friends. So maybe the mouse is squeaking uh, for a reason. Is friends, hi, me, your, yes, yeah. What are they, is that right? Yeah, it's one of those words that always defeats me. Um, so at the end, they're going to be friends, so they come to some arrangement whereby perhaps the mouse, perhaps the mouse is squeaking for a reason and the cow can help. Um, there are all kinds of things that the, um, the ways that you can work this out. So I do, I do what this, and then I work out the middle, now I know where I'm going. And then I call that a story map. And I call it a story map because it is just like a real map. I need to know where I'm going. Now, I live in Edinburgh. Um, if I tried to find my way here by bicycle or skateboard or whatever, uh, and I didn't have a map, what would have happened? I would have got seriously lost. I would probably have ended up in, I don't know, Wales or something. And I don't have much of a sense of direction either, so very easy to get lost. But and I really need a map for my story writing. How many people here have started writing a story and you thought, yes, I know what to write about, 
And you write the beginning, right, 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 and then you get to the middle, yes. And then you think, I don't know how to finish this story. Does that happen to anybody? Yes. It happened to me, seriously, in fact, about <coughs> nine, ten years ago, I, was, I wrote 15,000 words of a story, and I hadn't planned it out, and I got stuck, and I ran up my editor, and I said, I don't know what to do. Uh, and she said, well, I'll have a look at it. And she read it, and I said, is it rubbish? And she said, yes. And that was because I had no direction. I didn't know where I was heading. So I find these very really useful. How many people here plan their stories before they start? Okay, brilliant, put your hands down. I'm going to ask the teachers to not look for a moment, please. If you can very kindly of virtualize. How many people think it's boring to have to plan your story before you start? <laughs> Okay, put your hands down if they were up, which of course none of them were. It often does feel boring, but to be honest, it's like it's like giving yourself a skeleton <coughs> to put the thread on. Without a, a plan, without a map, maybe you're better than me, it's quite likely. I my stories get very loose and very shapeless. So I need that <coughs> in order to kind of keep it in place. Um, so, like, all the stories I've written are a bit like that, and they all start with a feeling. And, in fact, um, my little brother has turned up in a lot of books. Um, usually, he's a really annoying little brother. But in this book, uh, which is Tom and Tallulah and the Witch's Peace, I decided I had spent years and years and years turning my little brother into a pig, into a guinea pig, into an annoying little sister, using those feelings that I had to put into the story. And I thought, well, maybe it would be fair if I had a boy with a really rather annoying older sister, which is me. So I finally came out to the fact that just possibly I might have been slightly less than perfect when we were growing up. Um, so um, I've got Tom and Tallulah, and Tallulah's um, uh, Tom's older sister. And Tom does, because it's, it's not very complicated, they've got to find out what all the witches want for their peace. And Tom <coughs> has done really, really well. And he comes bouncing back and he says, Oh, oh, guess what, Lou? I might have a talent for magic. Miss Dolly told me after she discovered who I was. She said she misses grandmother terribly and she really, really hopes she'll get better. He stopped. His sister wasn't looking at him. She had buried her face in Sparks' fur. I've said something wrong, he thought. Oh no. Aren't you clever, Tom Tickle, Tallulah said. And there was an edge to her voice. I suppose you and your new best friend, Miss Dolly, are going to make grandmother better all by yourselves. Perhaps it should be you who joins the child circle, and you could be the first ever boy which and you won't need me at all. She gave a half-suppressed sob as she fished wildly in her pocket. No, hanky, she sniffed. Oh, rats and bats and botheration. Does anybody know that feeling when somebody does something really, really lovely and you feel left out 
because they've done it and you haven't been allowed to. That's a feeling that I had a lot. And all the feelings that you have can be really, really useful when it comes to story writing. Now, we're on a very tight schedule. You are amazing. You're going to be, have your brains bulging by the end of today. And I have a list of instructions here as to when I should and shouldn't finish. And because we were late starting, we can have just a little bit of extra time. But because what I wanted to know was, if you have got any questions about stories or books or writing, because I can't tell you everything that I would like to tell you in the time that we've got available. I need several days, probably, and you might be a bit upset if I kept you here for several days. Uh, has anybody got any questions? Has anybody got any questions that they want to ask about stories, books, writing? <coughs> yes, yes. My first book was called Toshi Pig's Noisy Christmas. <laughs> and they were about me and my very annoying little brother. Um, so that was the first one. Any other questions? Yes. Have you written a book about rejection of the world? About what? Rejection of the world. No. Well, are you going to write that story? Is it one you dread? Oh, right. No, that's... All um... oh, right. Yes, brothers and sisters are great for using in stories and your experiences. Anybody else want any questions? Yes. What's my favourite book? I think probably um, The Rogue of Skulls because... It's, again, a feeling. Somebody said scared. Um, and I like slightly scary stories that are also funny. And uh, this is about a lady in order who wants a robe of skulls. She wants a black robe. Um, at the very beginning, skulls, said lady in order. Definitely skulls. Rows and rows of dear little skulls sewn all along the hem. She sighed with pleasure as she imagined a glitter clatter of bone on her cold stone floors. So she wants uh, a robe, and, um, and I had I had fun with this book because remember I said my dad read me stories every night. A lot of the stories he read me were about witches and sorceresses and heroes and not quite heroes and things like that. Um, I used a lot of those ideas and then turned them around. And Lady Lorna has a, um, has a, 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 a servant, and her servant is called Gummel. And Gummel is a troll, and he has a problem. Um, she has this idea that she's going to, um, she's going to have to find the money to pay for her dress, because she's got no money left in her coffers. And she says to Double, have you got any ideas? And Double stared blankly at his mistress. He now stood princes and frogs, and his ears always pricked up when the word <coughs> came into conversation. But he had no idea what the lady wanted now. For the second time in one day, he cast wildly about in the small foggy compartment where his brain got on with its own private life. Mostly he was busy with or blood, or violent death. But Gumbel managed to track down something that 
seem to suit the occasion. <coughs> he said. Then seeing Lady Lamorna's face darken, he hastily added, And, Marmalade? Lady Lamorna slapped Gubble. His head spun off his shoulders and thumped onto the floor. Ugh, grunted the head. And then completely amazing Lady Lamorna and dazzling Gubble himself. The head made a suggestion. Black nails. His mistress positively got. Gobble, she said, I could kiss you. The head rolled away as fast as it could into a dusty corner. Nah, it whimpered. No kisses. And it hid its nose in a convenient cobweb. And I really had fun with this story. There were bats and royal families who were kind of pretty foolish. And, um, and all the way through, the hero, there's a hero called Grace Gilpot, and she has somebody who helps her, who is another hero, if you like, called Prince Marcus. So, um, so the feelings thing is pretty strong. I mean, every story is about feelings in one way or another. Have I given you enough time for somebody else to think of a question? Well, are you all... Does anybody... Yes? How many books have you... Um, uh, how many books have I read? I always find this really embarrassing because I don't actually know, but uh, I had somebody count them up a little while ago. It's somewhere around, it's coming up to 300. But then I've been writing for a very long time. So, um, and, and a lot of the books have been around for a long time. So, um, something, something like run about 300. Yes? What's your newest book? My newest book? Um, good question. My new, book. This year I've had quite a number of books out. I had Tom and Tallulah, that was just published in uh, September. And The Fiendish Revenge of Leroy Jones is the most recent one. Um, and then I had two uh, picture books, one about horses and one about, what was the other one about? Oh, Cats, um, published. And then I think, and then there was another one earlier in the year. Uh, oh, how, how Billy Hippo Learned to Swim. Because I write from teeny tinies right up to bottom secondary. And uh, just thinking about feelings, Leroy Jones is uh, very much who started. Does anybody here, has anybody here been teased about their name? Yes, I was teased quite a lot when I was at school. Because uh, when I was at school, my name was Vivian Wheeler. And people used to say, Wheeler, Wheeler, where's the potato peeler? And they thought it was hilariously funny. And it probably was the first time, but not about the 45th. And so I actually used that for the beginning of this story. Hi, this is me. My name is Leroy Jones, and I'm in my first year at Fairlawn High. Sorry, that's a lie. <coughs> my name isn't Leroy. My mum went utterly bonkers when I was born. She called me Glorious Heavenly Baby Jones. Mad or what? I'll never tell anyone. It's my biggest secret. So that's kind of an excessive name, as it were. But I can tell you that when I was living in Bristol, I did actually meet a child called Glorious Heavenly Baby. It wasn't Jones. I changed the surname. 
Just imagine having to go through life and call that. So he calls himself Leroy, and the story is about how he gets horribly bullied by uh, a girl who reveals his name to the whole school, and of course everybody laughs. Okay, we've probably got time for just a couple of questions. Uh, if anybody's thought of any more, yes. Is that one you're just washing your hair. That's it. Oh, if any of the teachers want to ask a question, you're very, very welcome. Um, you're all being very quiet. Yes, well done. What's your least favourite book? What's my least favourite book? Well, you, you know that one does have least favourite books. My least favourite book is really because I'm very forgetful. Uh, I was asked to write a story quite often. I, I work a lot with illustrators. I teach illustrators. And I work a lot with illustrators, helping them with their stories, and also um, kind of showing them how books work. And I was asked quite a long time ago to write a story for a really lovely illustrator called Jan Mormorod. And she said, Viv, will you write me a story about two girls who want to be ballet dancers? If you do, I'll take you out for a really good lunch in London. And I thought, ooh, that's a good deal. <laughs> so I went away to try and think of a story, and then I kind of forgot about it. Because we'd made this date to meet in London, and it was quite a long time ahead. And I had in my diary, lunch with jam. That was all I had. And the days went by and I completely forgot. And then one morning I thought, oh, tomorrow's when I go to London for my lovely lunch. And then I thought, oh, hang on a minute. I meant to have written a story for her. And I hadn't. So I did a really cheaty thing. But it's actually, it's quite a fun exercise to do in a way. I did what I call a 1098 story. So I had uh, 10, and I used that different ballet terms. I rushed to a ballet book and I found, uh, and I had these two little girls, and it starts off ballerinas, and the whole thing you can write in you know, half a page. Ballerinas, us two. And it's a big girl and a little one. And then it's 10, nine, ten pirouettes, nine whatever ballet terms there are. Uh, all the way down to uh, number two, and then one was one happy hug. And, I mean, you know, it's pretty, it was pretty in that way. Actually, it sold in squillions, because it had <laughs> amazing drawings. Uh, because her drawings were so lovely, she really made it come to life. And that was, that was really, really, so I was lucky. Got away with it, but that's always been my least favourite book because I feel that I, in a way, as I said, cheated. Um, <coughs> that wasn't so good. Can I just ask, why don't, well, you've just got half a minute. Um, how many of you write your titles before you write your stories? Okay, how many of you put the titles afterwards? Yeah. I mean, people do that both ways. I do it sometimes both ways. But sometimes, do you ever find that your story doesn't fit your title if you put the title first? Because I get that sometimes. And just as much of interest, just something you might like to try for fun, is to do a swap. So I think of a title, and then you think of a title, and then we swap. And you have to write the story about my title, 
and I have to write the story about yours. And that can be really, really interesting, because again, it kind of gets your mind working as to how, how you can write a story to fit with that title. And I also like swapping people to do illustrations and so on and so forth. But I think we kind of need to stop now, is that right? Yes, but thank you very, very much. You've been, you've been great. It's really, it's quite it's nice being in here. The sound is wonderful. I like it. So we're just off to see. Ooh.